Shorts offers you new short stories from award-winning writers. Today's story is The Rogue Elephant by John Blackmore, found in A Physicist's Guide to Love, Another Natural Phenomena, available on Amazon. The Rogue Elephant reunites us with the couple from the Tornado Lovers, but many years earlier before they married. Charlotte and Bernard are backpacking through India and experience the first shocks of dealing with what happens when wonder, awe, and love wear thin. The Rogue Elephant It had been a day since the elephant traveled nine people. It had appeared suddenly, a surprise, like thunder in a clear sky, flattening the shacks and sleeping families. It was as if Ganesh had lost his mind and gone terribly mad. The elephant was the front-page story in the newspaper folded on a table in the hotel lounge. Charlotte and her fiancé, Bernard, sat nearby. Bernard was pulling at his shirt, trying to keep it from sticking to his skin. They couldn't read the newspaper, written in its beautiful lyrical script. Bernard was thinking about swimming. He missed the cold embrace of northern lakes. Here, the boundary between air and water blurred in the overwhelming humidity. He felt that if he took a fancy to it, he could swim out the door to the noisy main street. The bus taking them back to a town on the Calcutta rail route was due at three. It was just morning, but neither Charlotte nor Bernard felt like leaving the lounge. There was little difference between the heat outside and the heat inside the small hotel, except the weak breeze of a ceiling fan turning slow circles above their heads. Wonder quickly became compromised, Charlotte reflected. She too picked her shirt from the small of her back. They had traveled so far to be in this tiny village at the extreme northeast tatters of India, and yet they simply sat in the dreary lounge. When they had first started their travels, the opposite was true. Everything triggered awe. Charlotte remembered her first cup of coffee in Paris, so brilliant and strong with clouds of foam, a separate species from the instant she normally drank. Sitting outside a train station, watching early morning city cleaners in lime green coveralls sweep straw brooms through gutters and sidewalks. Bernard was sitting deliberately still, consumed with sweating. He closed his eyes, a bead of sweat forming above his eyebrow. He had a headache this morning. They didn't get headaches when this trip first started. They didn't just sit in lounges either. Behind the bar, a man was wiping glasses and looking at the door as if he expected someone to enter. Charlotte was watching him. I wonder if he has ice, she said. Bernard had closed his eyes, but contracted the muscles in his chin to raise his lower lip, indicating, I don't know. I'm going to get a drink. He opened his eyes. Do you have money? He asked. She knew he didn't ask out of concern for her, but to say, we have a budget, remember? When they first started, they had a budget too, but now it had become a wooden spoon for disciplining each other. Yes, I have money. She reached down the front of her shirt to pull out a money pouch. It was dark wet on the side where it touched her skin. See? Rupees. She walked over to the bar, 
picking at the khaki cotton skirt that stuck to the back of her bare legs from sitting. Do you have ice? she asked the man. He nodded. May I have a gin and tonic, please? She sat down in front of Bernard and sipped her drink. Its chill and the juniper taste made her think about snow and Christmas. Did they use bottled water to make the ice? Bernard asked. Why would you ask that? Because I don't want you to get sick. We've been lucky so far. Yes, they did. Are you sure? I said they did. Stop acting like my father. He put up his hands. God damn him. She drank big gulps of her gin and tonic. The glass was sweating more profusely than she was. As she took her last mouthful, the ice had already melted. A new couple came down the stairs into the lounge. He was a big man, large arms and shoulders and white hair and beard like bristles on his face and head. She was lean and moved like a ballerina, her neck holding her head upright with a wonderful grace. They sat down at another table. The man took a pipe out of his safari vest pocket and a pouch of tobacco. The woman caught the bartender's eye and said something in a foreign language. The bartender disappeared, returning with a pot of tea and two cups. Charlotte looked at her glass. She would have another one, but Bernard had all the money. For all her show with the money belt, she was out. I'm going for a walk, she said. Don't go long. She strode out the door. She followed the road west, where the village ended and the trees began. Perhaps she'd see monkeys. The older couple poured tea, and the woman picked up the newspaper from the table. It says the Assam Forest Department has declared the elephant rogue, she said. Nine people dead, twenty injured. They have the army out to kill it. What do you think makes an elephant go rogue like that? They seem like such gentle creatures. Perhaps he was married, the man said, blowing out smoke. She continued to read, but then put the paper down. Why don't you join us for tea, she said to Bernard. I've had some, thanks, he said. Tea's good for you on a hot day, the man said as he continued smoking. It actually cools you off. Bernard peeled himself from the chair and walked over to their table. The wife said something to the bartender, and he brought another cup. I'll bet you wish you were one of the marksmen, don't you? She said to her husband. With my eyes, I couldn't even hit an elephant. He used to hunt all the time, you know, the woman said. Every year we were off somewhere. Our house has heads on every wall. Do you hunt? The man asked Bernard. No, Bernard said. I think my favorite trip was the first time we went to Africa, she said. We were hunting with that excellent fellow from Wyoming. He was an expert shot. The man put down his pipe and looked at his wife. It's where I bag the rhino, he said. By God, if you think this is hot, you should feel the sun in Africa. I was in the grass, crouched low, when I saw him. He was 50 yards away in a clearing. It was quite a shot. I guess you can't hunt rhino anymore on account of the law, Bernard said. I can't hunt rhino anymore because of my eyes, he said. 
His wife looked over at him. Where are your glasses? I'm just sitting in this lousy bar. I don't need to see anything. But he stood up from the table and went upstairs. Bernard drank more tea. It's been years since we've been hunting, the woman said. One time, it seemed like we were always in the bush, following guides, sleeping in camps. It was his passion. You need a passion to make life worthwhile. Of course, the danger is when you lose your passion. Life can be dreadful. She daubed her finger at the bottom of the teacup and licked the sugar. Did you visit the tombs? Bernard nodded. This mythology is quite terrifying, she said. Bernard remembered the multi-headed demons with black teeth and white eyes. The husband returned with a gun case. This is the Springfield I had in Africa. I've had it since I was nine. He brought the gun out of the case. Its wood was wonderfully smooth and joined seamlessly with the polished metal. I don't know why you insist on taking it wherever we go, the wife said. Habit, he said, picking up his pipe. He lit another match to restart it. Habit is man's compensation for lack of instinct. Gunshot. The three of them startled. Bernard stood up. He looked at the Springfield as if its presence had caused the noise. That's a heavy gun, a 470, the man said. Second gunshot. The man looked to his fingers. That's within two miles of here. Have to be near the road to carry. Those guns are loud. I better find my fiancé, Bernard said. Sweat started again on his back. You should, the older man agreed. Is she in the village? I think so. The man raised his eyebrows as if to scold him. Bernard walked out to the road. He looked up towards the rest of the village, down to where it ended with the forest. People were running from the village side towards him and then past him to the forest. He recognized the man who ran a barbecue stand. He reached out for him. Have you seen the girl with red hair? He pointed to his head. The elephant, the man said. The elephant! He ran past Bernard towards the forest. Elephant? He remembered the old couple talking about an elephant. Where's the elephant? He shouted to people running past him. What's the elephant? Charlotte! And like that, he was caught up in the run, jostling others as if they were at the start of a race. He felt a panic rising in his belly like nausea. Charlotte! Another shot. A 470, Bernard whispered to himself. The crowd around him stopped, ducking instinctively, all except Bernard. He could see better now with everyone stooped lower. Charlotte! He stood still and trembling in the quiet that followed the violent retort of the gunshot. Nothing ever happens for good reason, he believed. There is no cause and effect, no opposite reaction for action. The universe was random. But now, would it be choosing this moment to change? Would this really be the punishment for a small moment of childishness, of peevishness, really? Simple, stupid, unmeaning peevishness? Was it all as fragile as that? Charlotte! The crowd ran past him, leaving him alone, shouting in the road. The sky rumbled. Charlotte! He shouted again. Thunder stampeded all about him, and a frantic wind whipped through the forest. With the noise and wind, he couldn't hear her, but he saw her red hair in the overwhelming green running towards him. 
Charlotte! The sky opened up, and raindrops the size of hockey pucks fell from the sky. He reached her and roughly grabbed her arms, pulling her tight into his body. The large gouts of rain slicked her hair in even brighter flame. He held her away from himself to look into her pale, wet face, and he realized again, again, how beautiful she was. Charlotte smelt his fear through his sweat and rain-wet shirt, a smell more cloying than the off-rot smell of the earth and wood from the Indian forest, a musk that caught in her nose like incense. She kissed him. As they lingered there, attached, on the road to God knows where, she thought how exotic it was to be kissing in rain that might have evaporated from the Ganges and condensed over Everest. Let's take the bus tomorrow, she said. Let's get our room back this afternoon. I'm sure it's available. Back in the lounge, Bernard smiled at the older couple. Could have used an umbrella, he said, to make conversation. Are you all right? The wife asked Charlotte. Oh, yes, a little wet, but we'll dry out. Of course you will, the older woman said. Charlotte and Bernard went back upstairs to the room and got out of their wet clothes together for the rest of the day. Early that afternoon, a convoy of jeeps and a large wind truck pulled up in the village. People were shouting, doors were slamming, the noise and fury of all the activity. The bartender left his post and ran out to the street. The older man and woman got up to see what it was. A huge, grey elephant, blood drying on his wrinkled, sagging hide, lay on the truck. People from the village ringed the dead animal at a respectful distance. The older man and woman walked over to the truck. The husband circled the vehicle and dead animal, looking up at the elephant. He broke through the ring of villagers to walk to a point at the elephant's head. Its trunk had been tied to the flatbed to keep it from dragging. The man looked straight into the dead eyes. The soldiers watched him. Ask him who killed it, he called back to his wife. One soldier, his green uniform bagging on his stick-like frame, stepped forward, a huge rifle slung over his back. His black mustache, wispy like eyelashes, rose as he couldn't contain his smile. Ask him if it was here, in the head, that he shot him. The soldier nodded. Ask him if I can touch his elephant. The old man, limber despite his sight, jumped up onto the bed of the truck. He traced the crusting blood up the short-haired trunk and past the eyes until he found the wound above and to the side of where the large fleshy ear joined the head, and he placed a finger in the bullet hole. listening to this episode of Fresh New Shorts. If you enjoyed this story, please rate us five stars wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find the book A Physicist Guide to Love by John Blackmore on amazon.com, .ca, or your country site. Please subscribe and come back to listen to us again.